are uh, in our fourth week of a series called He Shall Be Called. And here's, here's kind of the premise of the whole thing. 700 years before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah um, kind of gave him a bunch of labels. <laughs> like, I don't know uh, what your family was like, but typically labels are bad. And I don't know how you were named, but typically when, like, the naming process is a big deal. They have the baby book of names and all that kind of stuff. You want to make sure your baby's name rhymes with something, um, you know, bad. So you make sure it doesn't rhyme because you're thinking about them on the playground. And, you know, you name them Cupid and that rhymes with something. So you just got all this kind of stuff. And then but you want it to be unique and you want it to be oh, like set them apart and all this kind of stuff. Well, Jesus had the same thing going on with the prophet Isaiah 700 years before he was born. That would be like if you're pregnant right now, you open up a letter from your great, 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 great grandfather. And it says, here's the name of your kid. And then you're like, what? Get out of here. So anyway, that's what it was like. So to just wrap your head around this, this was 2,700 years ago that Isaiah wrote these words, and here's what he said. He said, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those uh, living in the land of deep darkness, a light is dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. And he goes on for a little bit just to talk about what it's like for this uh, people, which essentially is everyone uh, since Jesus is born, uh, experience what it's like to have the king being born. And in Isaiah 9, 6, he says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And we've been going through each one of those titles for Jesus over the last few weeks. The first one was Wonderful Counselor, and we talked about what it's like to have Jesus be your counselor, right? To have a counselor that knows you better than you know yourself, and knows what you need better than you know what you need. And so we talked about that the first week. The second week, we talked about Mighty God, and why we believe Jesus. Jesus is God. And for those of you who are maybe new to the Bible or, or, or you're visiting because somebody drug you here this morning because it's Christmas time, uh, that's like a big hurdle for you. Like, how, like Jesus is God. You know, I, I'm sure he's a great guy and everything, but I, I got a hard time with that. I understand. But what we did that week was talk about why we believe he is God. And then the third week, we talked about everlasting father. And we talked about how Jesus meets everybody's need, our deep need for a, for a loving father. And this week, what we're going to be talking about is the idea of the Prince of Peace. The Hebrew in that is the Sar Shalom, the, 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 the leader of peace, right? The authority of peace. And if you, if you look at this phrase, Prince of Peace, you can see within it the tension that there is between the authority, Prince, and then peace. And oftentimes we don't necessarily see authority and peace in the same uh, sentence or in the same concept. As a matter of fact, if you've been watching the news uh, anytime within the last month, you've kind of seen that authority and peace oftentimes don't go together depending on which side you're on and all that kind of stuff. That, uh, let me put it this way. When I'm driving and I see lights in my rear view mirror, I'm not like, oh, praise Jesus. I'm so calm right now. 
this is fantastic. You know, he's just doing his job. This is great. I'm going to take a nap right here on the side of the road while he issues me a ticket. Right? He comes up and, 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 and your heart's racing and you don't want to do the wrong thing. And you can 10 and 2, baby. Just, just keep them, show them. Okay? And, uh, and so I, we were in Georgia for the summer driving through Georgia. And so that was our first problem. The second problem... <laughs> was uh, I was going just a tad fast in Georgia. Because you, you just want to get through it, okay? And so um, I, we're in, in Georgia, and, the, and, and I, I saw those beautiful Christmas lights in the rearview mirror. And I pulled over, and the dude came, The first thing I noticed is that in Georgia, they, they all wear these goofy hats. Because um, it's like a state trooper or whatever. I think they're called trooper hats. Anyway, um, and so he comes up to the door, and I'm trying to explain why I was speeding. Like, their state's lame. I got to get through here. I'm really busy. California's way cooler. He wasn't buying any of it. Um, and so he gave me a ticket. But none of that process was very calm. As a matter of fact, <laughs> my, my family's here to attest. After the ticket wasn't very calm either. Like I was just going through my mind and all this kind of stuff. And, and my family was super helpful in, in sharing with how I should have handled it. Which is, I just thought was just awesome. <laughs> anyway, so there was no calm. You have prince and you have peace. You have, you have authority and calmness doesn't, doesn't seem right. Because all of us have seen authority abused in different ways. Maybe you're at school and you have a teacher that just happens to be the one in authority. And you're sitting and thinking to yourself, you're in class going... Is nobody stopping them? <laughs> like, what, like, what's going on? And so you, you have this authority, this prince, if you will, and no peace. You have, maybe, maybe you've had an issue with tickets or, or whatever. But he, here's what I want to show you this morning. Hopefully we'll get to the, uh, you'll come to this conclusion as I did this week. That peace is the rule of God through Jesus Christ. That, that as we look at different areas of our life and we want to have peace in those particular areas is where you need the rule of Christ the most. If you want to have peace in your relationships, let Christ rule your relationships. If you want to have peace in your finances, let Christ rule your finances. If you want to have peace in your emotions and uh, in your career, let Christ rule your career. If you want to have peace at school, let Christ rule how you act and how you react at school. But see, that's hard for us. Because if you're like me, I don't necessarily, I, I want the peace, but I don't really want anybody having authority over me. I want to do my own thing. Matter of fact, what I want personally, is for me to do my own thing, and then Christ to use his power and influence to make what I'm doing really cool, <laughs> and to add peace to it, like a seasoning, like you do on a steak or something. Like, I want him to be like the accent or the Merrill steak seasoning of my life. And he says, we're not doing it that way. And so we have this kind of this question, why is peace so hard to achieve, you know? And you, you look at different things, and, 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 and I know what you'd say, and I'd say the same thing. Well, if you saw my bank account, you'd know why, I, why peace is so hard to achieve, right? Money doesn't grow on trees. Like, you, you know, if you saw, if you knew my marriage, you would not, you would understand that, that, that that's not hard. Well, here, here's the problem. The reason peace is so hard to achieve is because we have competing allegiances. We have us leading our lives 
and we have Jesus leading our lives. And when we lead our lives, Jesus says, go get it. Go after you. He steps off the throne and says, be my guest. And we get on there and we, we, we try and we work and we, we, we think we got it all figured out. And then all of a sudden it begins to crash and burn and we begin to go, Jesus, help. What, what happens is we, get, we almost get into debt as it comes to peace. We, we work and work and work and work and we, begin, we can't stay ahead. We can't sustain it. And, and so we'll, we'll, we'll medicate and that'll give us peace for just a short time. And we're like, oh, good. Whew, that was awesome. And, uh, but, but man, but then the next day comes. And then the, or or we'll, we'll, we'll buy some stuff. And when we buy stuff, oh, it feels so good. We just swipe the card and we have the thing. And that, you know, that doesn't last very long. Or we'll sit down with the remote or pick, insert whatever it is you do to try and get peace. It's like having champagne taste with Slurpee money. It's going to catch up to you sometime. It's like you can't sustain it. So anyway, I, I'm not into bumper stickers, but I thought for those of you who like, like catchy slogans, um, it, this just occurred to me, and I think it actually is a bumper sticker, and for that I apologize. But you reign, that equals no peace, okay? He reigns, we know peace. Now what makes this really neat is that no is spelled differently each time, but it sounds the same, okay? So that's what makes this really fun. But, 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 even though it's corny and it's like just kind of a simple thing, we can put this into any situation we're going to head into in Christmas time. Because Christmas becomes, it's so bizarre, isn't it? We celebrate the Prince of Peace, the one who came, who existed in the form of God and did not, equ- uh, not regard equality with God, something to be held on to. We, we, we celebrate the birth of the Prince of Peace and it's the season in our lives where we have the least amount of peace. Why is that? Because we want to reign. We won't let him have full control of every area of our life. So uh, one of the stories in the Bible that I think really um, encapsulates this, we're going we're gonna to look at this story in the Old Testament that I think really gets to the, to the ground level of what it's like to live a life where you're giving God full control and how that looks. Um, and and uh, then we'll look at in the Bible uh, what Jesus has to say about that. The story... Um, in the, in the, book, of, in the uh, book of Daniel is this idea. I, I just named them Shad, Mish, and Abe. It's uh, um, it, it, just my little nicknames. We're close, so I can do that. But uh, this is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, if you think their names are weird, um, it, they weren't their names. Uh, they, they were given those names. And here, here's what happened just to set up how this all took place. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were part of the elite part of Israel. They were educated. They were wealthy. Um, they they kind of had it all going. They were they were the the one percent, if you will. Okay, and so they they're in Israel, and the Babylonians came and took over Israel and took them back to Babylonia. Okay, so so get this. So here we are. Um, um, we're, we're sitting here, imagine, and all of a sudden, um, you know, pick the country you don't like. Um, you know, let's just say it's North Korea since they're in the news. And they say, no more movies for you or whatever they say. Um, 
But, but North Korea busts through the door and you get carted off and they wipe out your house. They kill lots of your family members. And all of a sudden there you are um, watching North Korean movies or whatever it is that they're going to torture you with. And, 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 and that's it. That's where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are. And what they, pro- they, they renamed them. But what they also probably did was they made them, um, they enculturated them. So they taught them all about their gods. They made them look like they were from there and all this kind of stuff. Stuff. They just, it, it was just, a, for them, it was horrible, especially if you're trying to follow um, Yahweh, that you have, you have this situation. This is where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego find themselves. Now, in Daniel chapter 3, it says uh, that King Nebuchadnezzar set up this big, like, tower thing. It was 90 feet tall. So if you look up at the ceiling here, I don't know, maybe that's 40 feet or whatever, so Two and a half times that, 90 feet tall and, and nine feet wide. So there's, there's this big structure. And Nebuchadnezzar makes this decree. He says, every time we play the music, it's like musical chairs. Every time I put the needle on the record, every, when you hear the music of the trumpet, the harp, the lyre, um, the new, new American Standard says bagpipes, which, I mean, that's just torture in and of itself. Uh, but, but whenever you hear that music, you bow down and you worship this thing that I've set up. Now, um, uh, I'm always asking you guys to read your Bible, and if you were to read this story, you would notice a pattern in uh, Daniel chapter 3 that Daniel, or whoever the uh, author is, keeps referencing the thing that Nebuchadnezzar set up. So it starts out like something like this. There is an image of God that Nebuchadnezzar set up, and he said, whoever, uh, um, whenever I play the music, you have to bow down and worship this idol that I set up. And the people talking to him, hey, Nebuchadnezzar, you know that idol that you set up? Yeah, I know the idol I set up. And so you're reading it going, do they really have to keep saying this? Like, we get it. Nebuchadnezzar set up the idol. But it just keeps going about seven times. This phrase, I set up, you set up, he set it up. We get it. And this is where they find themselves. Well, all of a sudden, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego find themselves in a place where, yeah, you can rename them, you can shave their head, you can put an earring in them, you can do whatever you want, but this is where they're going to draw the line. And so the music plays, everybody worships, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego don't worship. As a matter of fact, it's even worse than that. They set this altar up on the plain of Dura in Babylon, which is where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had kind of worked their way into uh, the king's uh, authority structure. So they're ruling over their Hebrew people. They're in a great spot. You know, and yeah, they're out of Israel, but um, a prophet, Jeremiah, had told them, look, you're going to be in Babylon. Just do the best you can. Make, get houses, have families, kind of move on from there. And that's what they were doing. And so what happens is these uh, Chaldeans, which were astrologers, they come to uh, Nebuchadnezzar and they say, hey, remember that idol you set up? Yeah, I remember the idol I set up. Um, well, you know how when they play the music, they're supposed to worship the idol you set up? Yeah, I remember that. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're not worshiping the idol you set up. So Nebuchadnezzar gets upset and he calls him in. And here's what he says. He says, look, erase, erase. <laughs> well, we're going to give you one more chance. You know, we, maybe you didn't understand or, you know, I know this is a tough, tough hurdle for you to jump over. But the next time we play the music, you're bowing and worshiping or you're going to get thrown into this fiery furnace. And so uh, they play the music and uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego don't worship. 
They don't worship the idol that Nebuchadnezzar set up. Yeah. So here, you know what I did? I, here. So imagine, here you are, and you hear the music. Okay. And you're supposed to worship right now. Worship your God or whatever like that. They hear it. No, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Okay. So you, now you got the picture with that for those of you who are auditory learners. It's a little boring. There's no extra charge for that, by the way. I just want to let you know. So they go before King Nebuchadnezzar, and here's what they say. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. Now think about that. They're, they are before the king. They have no authority, they have no power, they have no resources except what Nebuchadnezzar has given them. Nebuchadnezzar has the ability to kill them at this point. And you know what they say? Oh, we don't, we don't have to defend ourselves in this. Now listen, imagine, imagine this Christmas season. You go to your office party, you go be with your, with your relatives, whatever, and you, because Jesus is ruling and reigning on the throne of your life, you don't feel the need to have to defend yourself. Because some of you uh, are already working through the conversations. You know how they're going to go. If you're single, you know there's somebody in your family who's like, so have you found anybody yet? And, you, and you're just like, oh, why do they keep asking me that? With Christ on the throne, you say, I don't have to defend myself in this matter. That's an idol you set up. For me. You set this idol up that I have. To, I mean, maybe, maybe you're in a career or whatever. And uh, your brother or your brother-in-law or somebody in the family. They're doing real great. And so you just got this thing. And the family members or whatever are like, oh, are you still at that place? Which the underlying narrative is, are you still a loser in your job? And imagine Christ is so much on the throne in your life that he's ruling and reigning and there's this peace when you say, I don't have to defend myself in this. I mean, you wouldn't say that to them out loud, okay, right? Because you know how that, what that would get you. But imagine, you just say, I don't have to defend myself in that matter. That's an idol they set up. You have a brother or sister or somebody and there's always just, there's always a... Just a weird underlying thing. You see him every year. You just know what's going to happen. Imagine if Christ is ruling and reigning. He's out. How to defend myself in that matter? That's where they are, right now. Now, how how do you get? The, how do you do that? Because it's great for me to stand up here, and we can all nod and go, "Wow, you're so right." I wish I could. Do. But but how do you do that? What? Because they had this perspective of a God that really cared for them. See, the reason the authority of Christ works, like when you think about authority and peace not really working together, the reason it works is because that authority figure has your best interest in mind. That authority figure is pleading with you. When you hear the music, when you hear it, don't worship. When they say, well, how come you don't get, don't worship. That's an altar they set up. You don't need to worship. So he goes on. Here's what they say. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Now, this is a lot of faith. Now, this verse came to my mind this week. 
Because this week, uh, as Cece was mentioning, we had our Toys for Tots. We have two major outreach events every year, Toys for Tots and Be the Church. And we try to accomplish a lot in those events. Uh, there's there's a lots of different things that we're trying to get done. And in Toys for Tots, there's several things um, that we, we try to do. One is we try to partner with, commu- with people in the community. We don't just try to lone ranger it and just be like, Living Spring, look at us. We try to partner. And so we partner with 20 uh, schools in Garden Grove, okay? And we tell them, you find the people you think are the most in need. And so they get to take ownership of it and they get to be blessed because they are with these families all day long going, I wish so badly I could do something for that family. Well, now they can. And so... Uh, so that's one of the things we try to accomplish. Another thing we try to accomplish is God has blessed us with this property. So we like to get as many people on this property as we possibly can. I will not lie to you. I want every single chair filled, every single service. Why? Because I just think it's a great use of God's resource. The more people we can impact, the better. We just love it. The third thing we try to do is uh, accomplish the mandate that God has given us that we should take care of the disenfranchised. And so we do that. And so the way we do it with Toys for Tots is with toys, okay? So as a matter of fact, we're so convinced of this, we actually put toys in the name. It's Toys for Tots. Now, Let's say you're the pastor of a church, and it's the week of Toys for Tots, and somebody gives you a phone call, and they say, I don't know if we're going to get the toys. And I say, actually, it starts with the word toys, with a capital T. So let's go ahead and make sure that we have toys. We know the tots are going to be here, and it's not time with tots, it's toys for tots. Okay, so, so this is, this began, but I'm super calm. Early on, I am like, I'm like a cherub. I'm so calm. Okay, Tuesday, I'm like, the Lord's in control. Wednesday, I'm like, uh, okay, you know, I'm, Thursday, I'm like, get out of the throne. Psh, I'm taking over, you know, <laughs> here I am, right? It's like, it's like, and, and, and you've, you've experienced it. You're like, start out, and you're just like, this is cool, man. So glad I know the Lord and all this kind of stuff. By the next time, you're just like, there is no God. Okay, so, um. So I didn't get that far. But, um, so Wednesday, I write a letter to the board, and I'm like, um, hey, we have this thing called Toys for Tots, um, and we might not have any toys. And so, you know, the board, they're just awesome. They're just like, well, you know, we're going to make it work or make it happen, and we'll just trust the Lord that it's going to happen. And, uh, and so I said, I need a day to pray about it. So Thursday morning, I, I woke up early, and I was just praying, Lord, we need these toys, you know. And so... What do you want me to do? And so we were going we to fund it. Now, we, we, we fund a lot of money into Toys for Tots, but it's always because we know we're not going to get enough toys, and we know it puts, it's a lot of money to put the event on. What we don't budget for is to take care of the whole event, which is, um, it, it, you know, is about 12 grand, okay, of toys. So I'm like, Lord, we need toys. And, and as clear as the Lord can speak to me, um, I just felt him saying, don't rescue this. Don't rescue this. And so I'm like, okay, which if you know me for any length of time, like that's my middle name is rescue. Like I like make it happen. Like let's get it done, you know. And so and he's, I just felt him saying, don't rescue it, don't rescue it. So, so here's what I'm thinking. Because I was like, I was leaning on the throne at this point. Like, oh, okay, I get you. You know, like sitting on one of the chairs with my arm around Jesus. We're ready to just like sneak in just in case he leaves me enough room. And I'm like, oh, I get it. You're going to do last, this last minute thing and then you're going to show off. And so... Um, uh, <laughs> 
And I'm like, I get that. That'd be cool. It's a good story. And then it'll be one of our stories. And it'll be awesome, right? Like, you're down with this. He's just like, don't rescue it. You know, I'm like, can you just stop saying that? Uh, so, so we're going on and ta- time's moving on. And, I, and I'm starting to realize, okay. And I just, this whole thing of like, if I don't let him rule, I'm not going to have peace through this. I just know it. I've got to let him rule. I've got to let him reign in this. And so, so time began to go on, and, we, and, and it became more and more of a crisis. And, then, and so I'm like, well, Friday morning, you know, we'll, we'll have toys. But this is perfect timing, Lord. I love the way you're doing this. We'll get the toys Friday morning. We'll sort them Friday afternoon and evening, and we'll have them ready for Saturday. And then Friday afternoon, I'm like, not necessarily how I'd do it. But okay, we still have time. And then, and then I thought, well, surely Sunday morning, Jesus is going to fly in with sacks of toys. I mean, I didn't know how it was going to work, but Saturday morning comes, there's no, there's no toys. That's when I remembered. Well, actually, it wasn't quite then. Unfortunately, it was early. I remembered the second part of this. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Now, throughout this whole process, I, w- I felt like I was getting a word from the Lord. Don't worry, don't rescue. Don't worry, I got it, don't rescue. Matter of fact, one time, one time I was pulling out of a box. Our f- house flooded. This is not time for another s- s- service on, on Noah. But uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, so, so uh, our house flooded. So we're, um, we're putting pictures back up. And I'm like, Lord, you've got you've to get these toys. And I pick up this thing. It says, I am the Lord. Is anything too difficult for me? And I'm like, I just need a sign. <laughs> just something. If you could just speak to me, you know. So, and then I'm out in my driveway coiling up this hose and I'm praying. It's now, it's Friday. No, now it's Thursday night. I don't know. It was panic time and I'm coiling this hose and I'm like, Lord, you got to do this. You, you got to come to the rescue. You, like, and, and I, you know, and you make these promises to God. I will never, ever, you know, like, like you just, you know. And, um, and my neighbor who doesn't go to church here but is really involved in Toys for Tots, it's like pitch black over at their house and I hear her go, uh, have the toys come in yet? I'm like, no, Lord, Lord. And, because she knew the story. And here's what she said to me. She said, do you ever pray about that? Things like that? And I said, I'm praying right now. Like I just happen to be praying right now. And she said, it, it'll work out. And I thought, man, she's got more faith than I. She doesn't even go to, our, doesn't even go to church. But here's the thing. There's a second part to this verse. It says, he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Now that, that, I'm down with that. That's a bunch of toys showing up on time. Pre-sorted, if we had to really pray for it. Right? Here's the second part. But even if he does not, which means we're going to die, which means we're gone. We're going to burn up. Like, I don't know how you want to die. I don't want to be thrown to the fiery furnace. Okay? Even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty. I don't know how he said this, your majesty, if it was like, your majesty. Like, if they were really going for it, like, look, we already offended him. Let's just go. Or if they were just being really respectful, going, look, your majesty, we just, we're in this spot right now. We just want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods. That when we hear your music, okay, we're not worshiping. We're not playing. We're not doing it your way. This is an idol you set up. We're not going there. We want you to know this. We will not worship the image of gold that you have set up. Seventh time we're reminded 
from the Bible. Now, all this Christmas season, you're going to hear the music. <laughs> Maybe you get a bill in the mail. Maybe your mother-in-law calls. Uh, maybe, you know, I don't, I don't know what, what it is for you. Maybe it's a certain relationship. Maybe it's a husband or a wife, and they begin that whole thing again, and it's the music, and you have to make a decision. Who's going to rule and reign my life? I'm not going to, when the music plays, I'm not bound to your idol. Now, here's where Jesus comes in. Because Jesus came at a time that was filled with turmoil. Like, like, like Rome had taken over Israel. They were in poverty. It wasn't the way God was supposed to, you know, they, they'd studied the Old Testament where they were supposed to be the nation that everybody else looked to. All this kind of stuff. And an angel comes to shepherds, the lowest of the low. And he says, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. That means everybody in the sound of my voice, every single one of you can experience this great news of having Jesus rule your life and you operate in a sense of peace even when all around you the music is playing that you should be worshiping something else. That you should be distracted. That you should be part of this or part of that. Or how come you haven't this? Or how come you're not that? And how come you don't... And millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars are spent to keep saying, worship this idol, worship this idol, worship this idol. He says, good news, great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be assigned to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, what? Peace. On those whom his favor rests. Now, it's a great announcement. But living that, isn't it hard sometimes? When all you hear is the music of the idols that have been set up, of who you should be, how you should be that, where you should be in life, regret and shame and difficulty and all this kind of stuff. Look at how it was for Mary. I put this little chart here. That Mary gets this promise that she's going to birth the Messiah, God's son, which is awesome, except... There's a lot of time before the promise and before how it really plays out. And oftentimes it never looks the way we think it's going to look. She goes from, basically the government said, you need to go to Bethlehem. Now, for those women here who've been pregnant or whatever, birthed children, imagine you're in your third trimester right up to the time the babies do. And Barack Obama or George Bush or whoever's in charge or the Congress or pick whatever says, you need to go to Georgia <laughs> on a donkey. Like, Georgia's a little too far. But this is 70 miles. That little blue line is 70 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem. You're about ready to burst and you're on a donkey in the desert that doesn't sound like much peace. Like how it plays out isn't like the way we thought. And yet he's the prince of peace. Here's what he says in his own words, what Jesus says. He's about ready to leave the disciples and he's got a whole bunch of stuff to tell them. And he tells them, I'm going to send you a comforter. Not, not like a bed comforter. 
Uh, but like the Holy Spirit, who, one who comforts, okay? It's like, it'll be from Bed Bath & Beyond and it'll be gorgeous. No, the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. He's going to bring to mind everything I said. Now, this is really important because the reason he's going to bring it to mind is because you're going to be going through circumstances that don't appear on the outside like they're happening the way they should. And so the Holy Spirit goes, no, 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 don't, don't sweat that. Don't, you heard the music, don't bow, just remember. Remember what Jesus said? Here's what he says. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. See, when you hear this, you're going to be tempted to rush in and do it the way the idol is asking you to do it. So when you're talking to that person that's really annoying in the family, you've already spent the whole drive over there thinking of like three one-liners that you're dying to use because that'll really just, that'll just level them, right? And so you're ready to go. And the music goes and you go, I'm not doing that. He says, I don't, I don't give peace the way the world gives. Your finances, you're just like, <laughs> you know, black, you know, black, come on, one more. And you scratch it off. If I could just win the lottery, it's going to do it. I don't know how they do it. I don't think it's black and red. That's, what is that, roulette? I don't, I don't, anyway, um, I, I've never, don't even know what those things are. Uh, okay, anyway, but he's like, he's like, I don't give peace that way. Oh, if my husband would just change and he'd be more like this person, then I'd have peace. He doesn't give it the way the world gives it. He says, do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Here's how he says it in Matthew. But this one is a tough one. He says, come to me all who are weary and heavy, uh, uh, weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And you go, that's what I'm talking about, Jesus. Just come to you. You'll give me rest. You'll work it all out. I can, I can, I can have an umbrella drink and just kind of let it all happen, you know. I'm just, yes. Here's what he says. This is how it happens. If you want the peace, you got to have the prince. If you want the contentment of it, you got to have the captain leading the ship. Here's what he says. Take my yoke. That means submit under my authority. A yoke is a thing they put on two oxen. You've probably seen that, a big wooden thing, and the oxen would go underneath it, and they'd strap it on, and then, and then it was time to be directed by the person who put the yoke on. He says, put my yoke upon you. You've got to give up control and let me control. Learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. He says this, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, I don't know where you are in your life um, and what music is going to be playing, but... Here's what I wrote down. Anxiety is the music that plays that reminds you to worship. And, and so oftentimes this sound, you know, we've been doing that. That might just be a thought like, oh man, I got work on Monday. Right? That anxiety is the music that says, We're, oh man, if, you, if they treated you the way you deserve, it's, it's the music that says worship this idol. And you say, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not doing that. 
Anxiety is the reminder that I need to worship. Well, if I'm not going to do that, if I'm not going to play, if I don't have to defend myself, and I'm not going to play, I'm not going to force it, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to work more hours, and I'm not going to say this to the boss to make sure that this happens, or if I'm at school and school's annoying, I'm not going to try to figure out a way to, with these kids or any of that stuff or a way to cheat because if I don't get good grades and I won't get into college, so I'm going to cheat my way. Forget that. that that's, I'm, I'm not going to play to that music. What do you do? As the worship band returns, I just want to show you a very famous section of Scripture. For some of you, it might be, oh, man, well, yeah, I, I knew that. It says, be anxious for, don't be anxious about anything. Nothing. Your finances, school, relationships, nothing. But in every situation, whenever you hear that music of anxiety, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. That means it doesn't make any sense. There was no reason why Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego should have been calm in that situation. As a matter of fact, it says they fired up the furnace seven times hotter than it usually is. And it, it said they put on like a bunch of clothes on them to make sure they were fully clothed so that it was like wearable kindling, okay? And they, they put it on them. And then they get the strongest men in the army, it says, to tie them up as tight as they can. Now, I don't know if they were just, were rolled into the furnace. Like, I don't know what you do. You're tied up and you got all this stuff. If it's just like, you know, they roll. But it, that, it was so hot, it says, that the people rolling them into the furnace burned up. And so, so they're in the furnace now, seven times hotter, and they're ready to die. And, and Neb Nebuchadnezzar looks and he goes, wait, how many people did we throw in the furnace? Which really is a stupid question. <laughs> like three, Shadrach. Okay, okay. But he sees four people. And here's, here's what out of Nebuchadnezzar's own mouth. He says, I see three of them, and one of them looks like the Son of God. Like he was right there in the fire. And it says, now, now, he, now it's a deliverance story. So they got delivered. It said they didn't even smell like smoke, which is incredible. Not even the hair on their head was, which mine is, looks like I was thrown into the furnace. <laughs> but don't, don't laugh at that. <laughs> Golly. But, but this is it. In the midst of it, if we allow Christ to rule and reign, we have peace that transcends all comprehension. So here's, here's my final thought as we, as, uh, we kind of close up. Every anxious thought is a call to prayer. I have a friend, uh, Paul. He's a missionary in Indonesia. And it's a Muslim country. And where he lives is Muslim, Muslim. Okay? And so I, I, he wakes up at 4 o'clock in the morning. Because there's a, 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 a loudspeaker that is the call to prayer for Muslims. And so they, in Arabic, they're yelling this prayer out. And, and it's four in the morning. I say, well, what do you do? Like, you know, like, that's not fair. Like, haven't you heard of separation of church and state? And I mean, like, can't you elect somebody to stop that or get the right people in office? I said, what do you do? He says, I pray. It's my call to prayer. I just don't pray to that. I pray to my Heavenly Father.